Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to speak your word. Thank you for each person who is here. Give us ears now to hear what you want to say to us. For Jesus' sake, I pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, happy Independence Day. Uh, It was actually on this day in 1776 that the Continental Congress uh, voted to break away from Great Britain. That actually happened on uh, July 2nd, and then, of course, July 4th was the day that the Continental Congress adopted Thomas Jefferson's uh, Declaration of Independence which has these famous words where Jefferson links liberty and happiness. We hold these truths. Let's see if I can do this. (laughs) We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights among these life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So Jefferson made this link, didn't he, between liberty and the ability to pursue happiness. And that is deep within our American culture, this link between the concept of freedom and happiness. And I think that's true, that there's a link between freedom and happiness. And yet, we see in this land of freedom so many people aren't happy. Uh, in the very profound ways, they're not happy. We're not going to experience ultimate happiness in this life because we've been made for another life. But there are people who are experiencing profound brokenness in this land of freedom. And you can just look at statistics. Here's a headline from uh, Gallup poll, May 2023. U.S. depression rates reach new highs. New highs. Or suicide rates, this is from the CDC, suicide rates increased approximately 36% from in a 21-year period from 2000 to 2021. Suicide rates increased 36%, and now it's the second leading cause of death among people in their 20s and early 30s. That's according to the CDC. So in the United States here, we have great freedoms which we are right to celebrate. But there's a lot of people who are not happy. They're profoundly sad. They're in a place of profound despair. And why is that? Well, there's a number of reasons, a number of factors that we could talk about. It's very complex. But I think uh, one reason, and I would say a main reason, why many people feel hopeless and helpless, is they don't know the freedom that Jesus is talking about. In John 8, that the freedom that he's talking about is the pathway into true happiness and eternal happiness. Because what Jesus is talking about here is freedom from a spiritual condition, freedom from sin. And he describes sin as an enslaving power here in John 8, an enslaving power. So, if you are free politically, if you are free 
financially, let's say you are established financially and you have what so many people are looking for in America is financial freedom. Uh, in America, we have freedom of consumer choices. We have all these kind of choices. People who come over from the United States to another country are just overwhelmed. I remember Claire talking about when she first came to the United States, going to the grocery store. I just can't believe all the choices that we have in the grocery store here in America. We have all these freedoms. You can have all those, but Jesus is saying, if you haven't dealt, if you haven't allowed me to deal with this, you're not ultimately free. Something else is in control. And, and therefore, you're not going to experience this happiness that you long for. Sin is an enslaving power. That's what he says here. Truly, truly, I, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Verse 34. And uh, according to the commentators who know Greek better than I do, the way that the uh, Greek here, the original Greek is constructed, Jesus is talking about this continuous state of of practicing sin. That's what the ESV is bringing out here in this translation. This is somebody who's not repentant of sin, who's given themselves over to it. They're practicing sin. They're living in a state of sin. And Jesus says that's a place of being enslaved. Living apart from God, living for yourself, leading to behaviors and attitudes that are enslaving. We can think about this in terms of addiction. You know, the addict feels that he or she has no control. I can't help it. I, I can't do anything about it. These cravings are too strong. These cravings have control over me. I have to have that hit. They're not in control. And today, so many people celebrate uh, freedom as the ability to do whatever. I want to do or to be whoever I want to be. In fact, I'm a child of the 80s and early 90s, so I thought about this song from the 90s called I'm Free. Maybe some of you remember this song by the Soup Dragons. Entitled, I'm Free. And it's it's just like, it's an anthem for, even though it was in the 90s, it's, it's an anthem for today. I'm free to do what I want any old time. I'm free to be who I choose. Any old time. So that's the definition of freedom today in our culture. Like, I'm free to do whatever I want, anytime. I'm free to be who I choose to be, anytime. But then there's this line that raises sort of the yellow caution flag, I think. If you, if you think about this, listen to what he says next. I'm free to get my booze any old time. Free to get my booze any old time. Now, if, if any of you have struggled with substance abuse, or you know somebody who struggles with substance abuse or alcohol. You know that contains a lie. If you go down this road, right, if, if you go down this road of, I can choose this any old time, anytime I get the urge, then what happens when you exercise that kind of freedom is the thing that you once freely chose begins to wrap chains around you. And then you don't feel like you're in control. That's addiction. And the Bible says that's how sin works. That you, 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 you think that you're free and living apart from God, doing whatever you want to do. 
But actually, that can begin to enslave you. But the good news is that God sees that human condition. And he sent his son to liberate us. Sin enslaves. Jesus saves. Sin is an enslaving power. Jesus is a liberating person. Jesus offers freedom. You shall know the truth. Famous words. And the truth will set you free. We hear that quoted sometimes in reference to all kinds of things. The truth about history, the truth about politics, the truth about whatever, science. But here, the context is Jesus is talking about the truth about who he is. He starts here in, 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 in John 8, at one point in John 8, earlier than this passage, I should say. He says, I am the light of the world. That's the truth about me. That God sent me into this world to be the light of the world. And if you receive this light, if you receive the light that I'm going to give you, you don't have to walk in darkness. I'm the light of the world. God has sent me into this world. The words that I'm saying, that he's calling them to believe and calling us to believe, he makes this great claim, this extraordinary claim. These are not my words, Jesus is saying. These are the words that the Father has given. And if you believe in these words, you can walk in the light. You can walk in freedom. If you will believe, the fundamental sin is to not believe what God reveals. And that's the resistance that we see in this chapter. They will not believe. They, they have some depth of belief. It's interesting, isn't it? He says that these were people who believed. But then, in the end, he says, you want to kill me. And so, there's some measure of belief, this temporary belief, this superficial belief, but then there's this resistance in the end of not wholeheartedly believing that they need what Jesus can give them, which is freedom. Because there's a pride here, a spiritual pride. We, we're free already. We don't need your freedom, Jesus. We're sons of Abraham. We have this spiritual heritage. We're free already. We're free to do what we want, we would say in our culture, any old time. We don't need this kind of freedom, Jesus. We have our own kind of freedom. And Jesus is calling us and he's saying, well, wait a second, this freedom is leaving, leading to enslavement. What kind of freedom is this? Jesus comes to offer freedom. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth about him. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Jesus says, you know, we don't have the status or the standing in the Father's household to free ourselves. By definition, a slave cannot set himself free, herself free, but Jesus can. Jesus is the Son in the Father's house. He's got the status. He's got the authority. If the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. The Son of God can set people free. God wants us to have true freedom. God wants us to have true happiness. That's why he sent the Son to set people free. remember reading last year or so a, a story of, um, not a story, but a history of Abraham Lincoln. I confess I didn't get through the whole thing. Uh, but uh, the beginning of it, I read about his childhood and how as a young man he had to take different jobs and he was in very impoverished conditions. 
and one of his jobs was to work on the riverboat, and he worked on the Mississippi River. And when he was a young man, uh, as a riverboat guy, he went down with a friend to Louisiana on the riverboat down the Mississippi as a young man, and there for the first time he saw firsthand slaves, slave auctions, rather. He saw a young girl on the block, scantily clad, the historian says. A young girl, scantily clad, on this block, being auctioned off, and men coming around and pinching her and oogling her. And Lincoln turned to his friend and he said, That is a disgrace. And the historian said, That left an indelible mark on Lincoln. One of the motivations why he fought against, why he fought so hard against the South. One of the motivations. It left an indelible mark. He saw it firsthand. It broke him. Broke his heart. God sees it firsthand. God sees how slave disgraces those who are made in his image and likeness. How it's an enslaving power. How it dehumanizes. How it hurts us. How it hurts our relationships. How it hurts the world he created. And God doesn't just stand by and watch it. God sent his son. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. How does Jesus do this? How does Jesus liberate us? Two points here. First of all, He sets us free from the penalty of sin. From the penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death, the Scripture said. But the gift of God is eternal life. We are under a death penalty because of sin. But Jesus sets us free. In uh, John 8, earlier in this chapter, John, uh, Jesus says in 8.24, He says, I told you that you would die in your sins. You would die in your sins if you did not believe. Did not believe what I'm saying about myself. You do not trust me. You're going to die in your sins because He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John starts that way. That's in the beginning of the Gospel of John. But the good news is you don't have to die in your sin. You don't have to die separated from God. Jesus sets us free from the penalty of sin, which is death. Physical death, yes. But there's something even worse. What the Scripture calls the second death. Spiritual death. Eternal separation from God, who is the source of life. Jesus says you don't have to die in your sin. As we face physical death, we don't have to face this second death. And when we face physical death, we can face it in hope because of the resurrection of Christ. And if we have faith in Christ, we can be free of guilt and shame and a sense of distance with God. We can die in peace. We can die in peace, knowing that we're forgiven. Knowing that we're forgiven because He took our place. The place that we deserved at the cross bearing the penalty and the shame for our sin. He took it out of love for you and for me. We can know that we're forgiven. And even more than that, we can know that we're righteous in the sight of God. I used to think as a, as a young man that uh, forgiveness was kind of it. 
that's the way that God saved us. And then I, and I don't, I don't know how I picked this up, but in my mind, I kind of twisted this and thought, you know what, that means that if I had not confessed all my sins, and if I got, if I'm driving around my little town on my bicycle and a big truck hits me and I die, if I haven't confessed all of my sins, then I wouldn't be forgiven. And then I had twisted this into something that I have to do. I have to really be really good at repenting. Because it's all about forgiveness. But then I learned something else. This is important if you haven't learned this. Is that because of the righteousness of Christ, because Christ was perfectly righteous, when you are united to him by faith, his righteousness is your righteousness. When you are united to him, what? is his becomes yours. There's this exchange. There's this exchange. He takes your sin and he gives you his perfect righteousness. Therefore, even in the midst of our failings and our sin and our, not, and our inability to repent and confess completely, we're covered in the righteousness of Christ. Because what's his is ours if we're united to him by faith. It's like marriage. In a good marriage, What's hers is his, and what's his is hers. Did I say that right? When I got married well, 25 years ago, when Josie and I got married, lucky her, what was mine became hers. All $127 probably in the checking account was given to her. <laughs> she did not marry me for my money. I do know that. And uh, she didn't earn that paltry sum, but it was hers because of the relationship. Transferred over to her. Just like when we come to faith in Christ. It's not about our perfection. It's about His. So, He saves us from the penalty of sin. We are given this gift of righteousness. And I hope you know that today. I hope you are trusting that today, that you're not looking to yourself to stand before God, to have peace before God. The, the people that Jesus is talking to, these are religious people here. They're saying, we don't need this, what you're offering. We've got it covered. Thank you very much. Let's not be that way. We need this. You need this. Jesus says you'll die in your sins. But he doesn't want you to die in your sins. He's offering this, his forgiveness, his righteousness. There's a second thing that Jesus does to save us. He saves us, he frees us from the power or the penalty of this, of sin, of this enslaving power. But he also does begin to free us from sin's enslaving power itself. I want you to notice that in, in what Paul says in Romans 6. We don't have time to really unpack this, but just notice the past tense here. That Paul's using, he's writing to Christians. He's writing to people who have put their faith in Christ. People who have said, yes, Lord, I have sinned and I need your righteousness. I need your forgiveness. Now they're right with God. They have peace with God. But there's something he wants them to do. He wants them to understand that now they've been set free from sin's enslaving power. It does not have to have the dominating, overriding control in their life and their affections that it once did. Just notice here the past tense, what Paul says here in Romans 6. You who were once slaves, you were enslaved, but that's the past. You were once 
slaves of sin. Now you've been set free from sin. You were once enslaved. Maybe there's somebody here who can think about that in terms of their own story, in terms of their life of Christ. That there was a time in your life, in your teens and in your 20s and maybe your early 30s where there were things, there were things that were that were a dominating sort of controlling, enslaving power almost. And you struggled with it. And now you can look back in your life in Christ that you've grown. And you can thank God that He set you free from those things. That's an encouragement to those of us who are still struggling. And we all do, don't we? Christ is the one who can set us free. It happens often over time. Over time. We can thank God for what He's done in our life in this regard. But here's a question. Are we growing in this freedom now? Are we walking? If we are in Christ, are we growing in the freedom that He has given us, that He has won for us? He set us free. Are we walking in that? Are you walking in that today? I was trying to think of an analogy about the, the, the relationship between the, the believer and sin. And I came up with this, and maybe this is good, maybe it's terrible. You can tell me afterwards. But not today, because i got to preach this again. So. <laughs> tell me later on in the week. But, um, you know, I went to the doctor earlier this year, and I'm 50 years old. Welcome to 50. I get this report from the doctor, and he says, well, you have high cholesterol. You have some high cholesterol, some of the bad cholesterol, the LDL, right? That's getting a little high. And uh, what I understand from cholesterol is that the body naturally produces cholesterol. And, uh, and yet, it's not hopeless because the doctor said, you can do something about this. It's not hopeless. You can change your diet and get rid of the fatty foods and high carbs. Ugh. No more, you know, cut down on the ice cream and the nacho chips with cheese, which going to be hard to do. But he says, now, if that doesn't work, then we can go with medicine. But you need to work on the diet. Okay, doc, I'll try. In other words, it's not hopeless. It's in you. I'm not going to completely get rid of cholesterol. It's there. But it's not hopeless. It doesn't have to ruin me. There's something I can do about it. I can mitigate its effects. And that's something like a Christian's relationship to sin. Sin is still in us because of the fallen nature. The desire to sin is still there. We all know it. But because Christ has saved us, we're not helpless. We're not hopeless. Because of His perfect life, His resurrection, His death on the cross, we stand forgiven and sin will not kill us. Praise God. But also, Christ has given us gifts. You know, he's like the one who sets a slave free and then he says, okay, now here's your new kingdom and here's some gifts that I want to give you to get you going and to sustain you in this new reign, in this new realm that I've put you in. He's given us gifts, friends. He's given us his spirit. He's given us this spirit of love in our hearts that begins to change our affections. He's given us his body, the church. 
so we're not alone. He's given us his word. Jesus says, believe my word here. Believe my word. He's given us his sacraments, means of grace, where we're strengthened. We can use these things to grow in greater freedom. We're not helpless. We're not hopeless. We've gotten a report. It's not great. Our conscience sometimes gives us this report. It's not great, but it's not hopeless. Let me just give you one example. Here's how one Christian man who struggles with alcohol writes about the gifts that Christ has given him and how it's helping him. Just one example. When I'm walking in prayer and confessing my weakness in Christian community, sobriety comes easier. You hear that? Those are the gifts he's pointing out. These are the things that have helped this man in his struggle. Prayer and Christian community and confession. These are gifts of Christ. It's not helpless. It's not hopeless. He says, when I stray from those things, the sobriety gets harder. So we do have some responsibility here. Out of love, Christ offers us freedom. Whether it's greed or gluttony, whether it's sex or slander, whether it's pride or porn, whether it's angry outburst, we're not helpless. So I'd be happy to talk to anyone who wants help. Pastors are supposed to be, priests are supposed to be physicians of the soul. And I take the medicine too. And I can tell you some places to get the medicine. I can help. Christ can help. I will point you to him and his gifts. And we can struggle together. Sin enslaves, but Christ saves. And when the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. So think about that, July 4th, if you're out there watching fireworks or grilling burgers or brats and watching the kids or the grandkids and the friends. Maybe take some time, if you're celebrating the 4th of July, to thank God for that freedom that leads to happiness here and in the world to come. Amen. Thank you, God, for your freedom. Thank you, God, that you want us to be happy and free. And it's a different kind of freedom than what the world celebrates in some ways. Because it's not a freedom that enslaves. It's a freedom that restores and liberates. And I pray for anyone here who, first of all, does not have peace with you because they've not taken Jesus at his word that he has paid for their sin and is offering them forgiveness and his righteousness, that they would lay hold of that by faith. That they would not be like these religious people in our text today and say, we don't need this. We're children of Abraham. We've got it covered, Jesus. No. Help us, God, to humbly come to you and say, we need this, Lord Jesus. And then help us all to walk in greater freedom and restoration. For your glory, I pray. Amen.